you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. everybody it is wednesday april 19th 2023 welcome to the nfl fantasy football podcast where we also haven't made a decision on the number one pick to be your man mg marcus grant and mostly whole again this week uh <laughs> thanks to florio for sitting in and holding it down last week while i was uh, trying to play hurt uh and we're in studio which means we got specialists today so give yourselves a round of applause Yay! uh yeah man thank you for uh you know pitching pitching in uh filling in Pinch hitting, all that stuff. When I, when I didn't really have much of a voice last week, appreciate it. Uh, of course, I'm just thankful that your voice is back because driving the show is a lot harder and you make it look insanely <laughs> easy. So uh, I'm happy we're back to our normal roles today. All right, you know what? I'm I'm glad to be back. It's nice to be able to have a voice uh, and not sound like you know a a a puberty adult teen who also <laughs> loves cigars or something like that. So uh, we are continuing our look around the NFL divisions, uh, trying to figure out some draft wants and needs today. We are heading South, the AFC South and the NFC South. So uh, let's just dive right into it. First with the, uh, the AFC South, as always, we are going in alphabetical order with these. So we will start with the Houston Texans, they've got 12 total picks, two in the first round. They've got number two overall, and they have number 12, which they got via the Cleveland Browns. Uh, their team needs this, according to Eric Edholm, which you can find on NFL.com, a quarterback, a wide receiver, and an edge rusher. And looking at some of the mock drafts uh, in the first round, Daniel Jeremiah has them taking C.J. Stroud. The Ohio State quarterback at number two and going with Miles Murphy, the Clemson edge rusher at 12 for Bucky Brooks. Uh, he's got him going Bryce Young at number two, which uh, I guess means that he's got C.J. Stroud going number one. Uh, and then Jackson Smith in Jigba, the wide receiver from Ohio State at 12. So creating their own little stack with a quarterback and wide receiver. And Lance Zerline's got them going Tyree Wilson at number two, the edge rusher from Texas Tech. And then has them trading up with the Raiders at number seven and taking quarterback Will Levis. So I was looking at their roster and looking at some of the guys they have there. And look, nobody's predicting that the Texans are suddenly going to be a, you know, a Super Bowl contender, regardless of what happens this year. But with some of the pieces they have there, some of the moves they've made. If they get a new quarterback, could they have some fantasy sleeper appeal on that roster this year? I very much so think so. And I, I did my own like personal mock for fun, and I, I had it going the way that Bucky does with, with Bryce Young uh, at 2 and then Jackson Smith and Jiba at 12. Um, but even if Bryce Young, who's getting more hype, goes 1 overall, take Stroud and JSN and recreate what they were in college. I, I think more and more teams are doing that, pairing... Uh, they're college receivers with the college quarterback, and I think it's a really smart direction to go in. But this Texans offense, I think, has a little bit more firepower than we, not us, but then a lot of people may realize. Like, Dalton Schultz is their tight end. He could be a top 
a, a tight end one for fantasy. Uh, I think Robert Wood's best days are behind him, but Nico Collins is someone who has flashed a little bit. John Mechie was their second-round pick who didn't get to play at all last year because of medical reasons. Noah Brown had a little bit of hype, but I still think they need their wide receiver one, so get that guy at 12, pair him with a young quarterback, and then I haven't even talked about the running backs who obviously Damian Pierce is someone that is fantasy-relevant, so I, I think they're... Look, they're not going to blow anyone away. They're not going to be one of the top offenses in football, but they can be a lot better than what they were the last couple of seasons. See, that's my thing. And I think especially when you're looking at sort of the draft price for a lot of these guys, you're not going to have to pay a premium uh, when you're drafting any Houston Texans, right? I mean, Pierce right now may be the guy that comes off the board first out of all these guys. But, you know, they got Devin Singletary, who they added in free agency. Uh, I do think they're going to get a wide receiver. Maybe not necessarily in day one. Maybe they do. Maybe they go and get JSN uh, somewhere in day one. But I do think before the draft is over, they're going to draft one of these wide receivers to pair with Nico Collins. You mentioned Dalton Schultz. There are some pieces there that I think at the right ADP could be kind of interesting. And the, 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 the missing piece at the moment is the quarterback. I mean, as we sit here and talk right now on April 19th, it is Davis Mills. But uh, I don't think anybody really believes that it's going to be Davis Mills by the time we get to week one. So, you know, they've got some talent. They've got some young pieces there. I, I think this is a team that we're going to be sort of talking about in the mid to late rounds in fantasy drafts as a, a, a shot. They have, could have a shot to be kind of a interesting uh, contributors to your fantasy roster this year. And even if it does, like, this year, they'll they'll take a step forward, but I think then if you put one of the top quarterbacks on this offense, we're talking about maybe in a couple of years, so a dynasty perspective, this could be an offense that like is fantasy-friendly if Young or Stroud or whoever they take ends up developing into what we think they can be. Yeah, I, I think I think there's some, some reasons to be interested. I won't say excited, but at least interested uh, in what the Houston Texans could offer in 2023. Uh, that gets us to the Indianapolis Colts. Nine total picks, one in round one. That is the number four overall. Their needs are a quarterback, which uh, has pretty much been their need ever since Andrew Luck retired. <laughs> a cornerback and offensive line. Uh, in the first round, uh, Daniel Jeremiah has got them taking Anthony Richardson from Florida. So you got uh, Richardson going off at number four right now. Uh, Bucky Brooks has them taking an edge rusher, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. And Lance, who I love Lance's mocks because he is not afraid to throw some <laughs> trades in there and have people move around. He actually has the Colts trading that number four pick to Baltimore, uh, along with obviously some other assets, to get Lamar Jackson. And then the Ravens take C.J. Stroud at number four, which – that's a little bit interesting to talk about. I mean, I don't know how much we want to get into the C.J. Stroud in Baltimore, um, but that potentially interesting there too, maybe? I, I've been of the mindset that I think the Colts are going to have to be aggressive if they want to get a quarterback here because I don't know if Anthony Richardson falls to four because mm. let's say Young and Stroud go one and two in any order. Richardson is by far the best quarterback still on the board, I would say, and the Cardinals are sitting there like, hey, we know the team at four wants a quarterback, so if you want a quarterback, you have to trade with us right now to get him. I think the Colts would have to be the team that are like, I know we're bidding against ourselves, kind of, but we want to ensure we get that quarterback, which is why I continue to think the way that Lance is thinking. Like, if you're going to have to make a move to ensure you get that quarterback, why not get a 26-year-old former MVP who you could build around, and uh, it's going to cost you probably similar to what it would cost to move up to get to the third pick. I'd That's much rather have Lamar than Anthony Richardson. And I love Anthony Richardson. That's the thing. If you are going to have to move up, right, 
you're probably going to have to give up a couple of number one picks, certainly this year, maybe one down the line. That's the same thing you'd have to give up to get <laughs> Lamar Jackson. And you already know what he is and what he can be as opposed to sort of hoping. You know, it's the mystery box theory. Like, this could be anything, even Lamar Jackson. Like, it, <laughs> at some point, you know, I don't know if it happens or not. But let's just let's just take this as the Colts. They go out. They stay at number four. They draft a quarterback, whether it's Richardson, whether it's somebody else. Maybe they take Will Levis. Who knows? You know, they've, they've, they've put some decent places pieces in that wide receiver. They've got Michael Pittman. Um, you know, they, they need to rebuild that offensive line from where it was when Andrew Luck was there. Uh, if they do add a quarterback, does this mean we still have the same level of faith in Jonathan Taylor to be a workhorse in that offense? Yes, I, I think as long as it's either Lamar or one of the top three quarterbacks. Like, if it's Will Levis, I'm going to be souring on Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> um, but I think, like, the, the first two in Young or Stroud will – uh, there, there'll be an upgrade on what the Colts had last year, which will help create for Jonathan Taylor. And I think if they have Anthony Richardson, that's just going to create run options for days and running lanes. Like we know the uh, running back's best friend is a Russian quarterback because it just makes it so hard to defend both of them. But my takeaway on Jonathan Taylor is like, I think next year is going to be a better year from him no matter who's the quarterback because he was plagued by injury last season, missed time with a high ankle sprain uh, and then another lower leg injury. I believe it was the offensive line just crumbled. And we thought this was going to be one of the better units and it crumbled. Um, JT, I, I think last year he was a victim of like everything around him going wrong where I don't envision it'll be that way again this year. So I'm kind of back in on Jonathan Taylor, although I thought we would get a discount on him like <laughs> last year when we were at, at the end of the season, when we were like putting out polls and stuff, who's a top five running back like Jonathan Taylor wasn't getting any love, but now in best ball drafts, he's going as a top four running back again. So like you're still, you're not paying that number one overall pick price, but you're still paying close to full price for him. Yeah. I mean, I think people just sort of look at the talent profile and realize that Jonathan Taylor is too good to fall down very, very far, and that as long as he's healthy, he's still going to get a ton of touches. You know, last year only played 11 games because of injury, but, you know, still had 220 touches, uh, which means he was over 20 touches per game, still gave you over 1,000 scrimmage yards. The touchdown numbers were a little bit down, but I think people expecting that if he stays healthy, um, his talent's good enough that he's going to continue to be one of the top backs in the game, and he's also one of the few guys that doesn't have a lot of competition behind him in terms of touches, so... Um, you know, sort of something to, to kind of keep in mind with, with him there. Um, I mean, the, the Colts, they have to get a quarterback, right? Like, they have to get a quarterback. I mean, I, I know the internet loves Gardner Minshew, but, like, yeah. He, he – and my favorite thing, too, is the, the whole narrative of, um, like, if they draft Anthony Richardson, Gardner Minshew's the quarterback this year anyway. It's like Emory Hunt said it the best. He's like, what can Anthony Richardson learn from Gardner Minshew when he's already more talented <laughs> right, than him? Right. I mean, I just – I can't imagine if you're the Colts, if you're the front office, if you're Colts fans, that you want to go through another journeyman quarterback for a year, right? Because since you, you've lost Andrew Luck, you've had Jacoby Brissett, you've had Phillip Rivers, you had Carson Wentz, which went horribly. You had Matt Ryan, <laughs> which ended horribly. I just can't imagine you're going to want to deal with Gardner Minshew as another journeyman quarterback for a year. You know, even if Anthony Richardson isn't, you know, the guy, put him in there. Like, let's see, yeah. let's give him a couple of years to develop and see what he can be uh, rather than this, this revolving door the, at the, the quarterback whole, position. You got to learn and sit and learn for a year. 
we always point to the examples where that works, like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, and maybe there's like one I'm forgetting. But for the most part, it, these rookies who aren't good enough to start right away, they like like they don't usually end up. It, it doesn't always work. If they sit their whole first season. To me, it's like either you were a team that had a proven quarterback and you were in win-now mode, but the Colts aren't in that. So, like, it would be a lot. Like, what are the Colts with Gardner Minshew? Maybe they get a wild-card berth and they get bounced in the first round. Like, why not just use that full season to give your quarterback time to develop? I also think when you talk about those examples, let's look at the guys that were ahead of those guys. Yes. Right? I mean, with Aaron Rodgers, you had a Hall of Famer in Brett Favre in front of him. Even with Patrick Mahomes. You had Alex Smith, who at that time really was in a career resurgence and playing some of the best football of his career. So it wasn't like it wasn't like Mahomes was sitting behind some kind of washed up journeyman guy. He was sitting behind a player who really was playing some good football. So, you know, I, you know, I, I think you, you sort of take those with a grain of salt as opposed to having Anthony Richardson sit behind Gardner Minshew. Um, I feel like that's a very, very different scenario. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at it right now, right? For Alex, with his last year as a starter in Kansas City, 2017, he's had a career high in passing yards that year. He went over 4,000 passing yards, had a career high in passing touchdowns. So he was playing some really good football. Now, mind you, it could be that the guy that was sitting behind him may, you know, when it's all said and done, <laughs> own a ton of records. But it wasn't like Mahomes was sitting and behind a guy who was a bum. The thing is... The Chiefs have won the AFC West the last seven years. Mm -hmm. Mahomes has only been a starter for five. And the two years that he wasn't, they went 12 and four and 10 and six. With like, Alex Smith at quarterback. Yeah. yeah like, like yeah. there, it, it wasn't like, like you said, it wasn't like the, the Colts aren't going to be winning their division and winning 12 <laughs> games with Garner Minshew. That's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Uh, the team that could win the division, though, I know they're the odds on favorite right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nine total picks, one in the first round. They're picking at 24, and I, you know, I should have done my research. I don't know when's the last time the Jags have picked this late into the first round. It had to have been a while. It's probably uh, the year with um, Blake Bortles where they they it's went the, to like the AFC, the AFC championship, championship game. That probably is it, right? That might, that might be the last time they picked this deep. Which doesn't feel like that long ago, but was like eight years ago at this point. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> uh, so in the first round, they're, they're late. Uh, their needs. They need a corner, they need an offensive tackle, they need a defensive end. Now, all, in all the mocks, at least the, the major mocks on NFL.com, uh, they are slated to go defensive. They, uh, DJ has them taking Deontay Banks, corner from Maryland. Uh, Bucky has them taking Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama. And Lance has them going Joey Porter Jr., the corner from Penn State. So obviously, the idea is that they want to focus on the defensive side of the ball. Makes a lot of sense. And so that leads me to the question... Do the Jaguars possibly have too many weapons on offense for our liking? In not in real football, but in fantasy football, it is definitely a possibility that that ends up being the case. Like, I I think it could go one of two ways, where it's like the targets are extremely funneled through like Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, and then Evan Ingram is enough to be like a borderline tight end that you could start in fantasy, uh, and Zay Jones is more like an afterthought. Um, or it could just be like they spread the ball like crazy and week to week it's a guessing game. But either way, it makes me want to draft Trevor Lawrence for fantasy. The weapons, I don't know about. Like, I, I, I know you have to pay the highest price to get him. But, like, Calvin Ridley is the one that I feel best about because of how explosive he is. That even on limited volume, I think he'd be able to put up numbers in this offense. 
the others like Zay Jones. I like for I know for much of his career he's just been Zay Jones, but like last year Zay Jones was really good, especially down the stretch. Like I was starting him in Championship Week uh, in multiple leagues last year, so it, it's certainly the possibility that that is the case. But again. It just if that is the case, you still want to draft Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I went and looked the uh, the last time the Jaguars were this deep in the draft, 2018. Uh, they picked Taven Bryan at 29th, and that was coming off that AFC Championship year. They uh, they beat the Bills in the wild card. Uh, they beat the Steelers in the divisional, and then they lose that heartbreaker to the Patriots uh, in the championship game. That, that Steelers Jacks game was as look. I remember the Bills one very vividly. It was a terrible game. Um, <laughs> Ten three was the yeah. Final it was it game. was bad. But that Steelers game was so much because it, it was like A B and Young Juju were yeah. balling out that game. That yeah. was a fun one. Yeah. So uh, yeah, twenty eighteen. So it's been a while. It has been a, a little while since the Jags have gone. Uh, this deep in a draft, uh, I'm with you though. I think I think you know, look, you're, we're going to be in on Calvin Ridley. Uh, I think everybody else really gets knocked down. Uh, I think a couple of a couple of rounds just because there are so many options, so many places to go with the football. Um, but you're right, this does help Trevor Lawrence a ton in terms of his fantasy value. Uh, it's not that we won't be drafting Jaguars because I think all these guys can be productive, but I don't think we're going to draft them. Uh, Maybe at a level that we would have certainly last year, or not, you know, had had Calvin Ridley not reappeared on the scene. I think that that changes the the calculus dramatically, and so I think you know we we will sort of temper our expectations when it comes to uh, Jaguars when when we're looking at fantasy drafts. Um, last team in the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans. Six total picks, one in the first round. They are at number 11. They need an offensive lineman. They need a wide receiver. And they need a defensive back. Uh, in the first round, two of the three big ones have them taking Jackson Smith and Jigba. That is uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Lance Zerline have them going JSN. Uh, Bucky has them taking a guy from Ohio State, but it is not a wide receiver. It's the uh, offensive tackle, Paris Johnson Jr., Thinking about JSN, knowing they need a wide receiver, because right now it's the Traylon Burke show and there's really nobody else that you can count on. Um, if he goes, if, if Smith and Jigba goes to Tennessee, how draftable is he knowing that the quarterback situation is ugh, not great at the moment? It would take a lot of shine off of him. Like I, I know myself and many others have him as their number one in this class, and I'm very excited for what he can be. And he is such a polished route runner that I think he's one of the players that can come in and immediately from day one be useful in fantasy. Um, and I guess on the Titans, he would have volume going for him, and that would be it. Like, the Titans might be the worst roster in football. They <laughs> uh, certainly on the offensive side of the ball, like, especially because there's still rumors like Derrick Henry's in the last year of his contract. Do they want to potentially move on from him? Can they get some some value for him if they were to trade him? Like, this is this is a black hole of an offense right now for fantasy. As of right now, my strategy with the Titans is just punt and not take anyone because I'm of the mindset that if they get off to a slow start, maybe they bring in Malik Willis. And as much as I love the tools of Malik Willis, he showed last year that he was great. he was anything but an NFL quarterback. And uh, unless he progressed a whole lot, this this has the potential to be the league's worst offense, I would say, if things go a certain way. So 
I would not like JSN in Tennessee. So I'm looking at the offensive pieces, right? And like as of the moment, Derrick Henry is still there. He would be the focal point of this offense. The other running backs on the roster, Julius Chestnut, uh, Hassan Haskins, and Jonathan Ward. Uh, Haskins and Ward combined for 30 carries for, let me do the math, 118 yards. Uh, throw in Julius Chestnut, who had another nine, so you're gonna thirty-nine. <laughs> you're gonna thirty-nine carries for another twelve yards. I mean, thirty-nine carries for twelve. Nine yards. carries. Oh, oh, I was gonna say, why did they awful. keep giving him the that ball? Miserable. <laughs> but basically, when you look at Haskins, Ward, and Chestnut, uh, they combined for what's basically an average Derrick Henry game. <laughs> I mean, that's really what what you got out of them. And then you look at the wide receivers, and again, you know, Traylon Burks is the guy who's probably going to lead them in targets as of the moment. <clears throat> the rest of their wide receivers, Mason Kinsey, Racy McMath. I mean, stop me when somebody, you know, gets <laughs> you excited. Uh, Kyle Phillips, Reggie Roberson, Nick Westbrook-Akine. I mean, I guess he's the next in Kyle line. Phillips was one that I know fans were talking up last year. Like, he was one of those guys who would give you, like, 30 yards, but, like, his catch would be really impressive. And he'd be <laughs> like, this guy can play, but... My thinking right now, because I, I do like Chig Aconquo. Chig Aconquo at, at tight end, yeah. And he's the one Titan I would draft right now because you could get him as, like, a tight end two. And then you're like, okay, there's some upside. He's a tight end. But besides that, like, their offense right now has to be just, like, short passes to Burks, to Aconquo, and let Derrick Henry do his thing. So there are also rumors that the Titans could be in the market for a quarterback, maybe drafting somebody. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill is nearing the end of his career. His time is, is getting short there in Tennessee. You mentioned Malik Willis last year did not look ready to step in and be a full-time starter. I mean, they were running Josh Dobbs out there at some point just to kind of get some stability. Um, are, are you believing that Tennessee could possibly make a move at quarterback in this offseason? Um, I, I think they could if, say, like, Levis or Richardson fell to them. I don't think they're going to give up draft capital to move up because I really think they have their eyes on Caleb Williams prize or, or the May prize maybe. Mm. But like, I think this is a team that knows, Hey, this is not our year. Um, we, we could potentially go at it next season again, but I, I think that this is Ryan Tannehill's Matt Ryan season. Like at, at 35 years old, it's his final year in his contract. I don't know if he survives the season with the team. I think this is his last full year with the Titans. Um, but I could see them just being like, because they cut a ton of people and didn't bring in a whole bunch. To me, it really feels like they're hitting reset and they're keeping their eyes on next year. I know Peter Schrager in one of his mocks had uh, the Titans taking Hinden Hooker. So he would stay in state okay. going from the University of Tennessee to uh, to the Tennessee Titans. It feels like Hooker at 11, though, is really early. They'd, they'd have to I, – I continue to think that a team – like, I, I think the Commanders are one. The Titans certainly make sense. Like, a team that maybe has some capital could trade back to, like, 28, 29, something in that range and take Hooker for that fifth-year option. But at 11, you're leaving a ton of value on the board. Yeah, it just, it just doesn't make sense at 11. But, I, I you know, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe – you know, I don't know, maybe they trade back. Uh, they could pick up some more picks somewhere along the way, and and then I could see them taking Hendon Hooker. I just don't, I don't see that happening at eleven. But man, this offense, it's bleak. <laughs> it's <is> bleak <laughs> right now. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I I will tell you this: if if JSN lands there, and they don't do anything at quarterback, yeah, 
really going to be disappointed. And, and to just show everyone how short lifespans are in the NFL, this was the number one seed in the AFC two seasons ago. Yeah. Life moves <laughs> fast. It happens that way. Uh, what else is coming at us fast? A quick break. Uh, we'll come back and talk about the NFC South. Go through the four teams in that division uh, and give us uh, and give you our draft wants and needs uh, for those teams. That's coming up next here on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower. 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Diving into the NFC South, uh, we'll start with the Atlanta Falcons. Seven total picks, one in the first round. That is number eight overall. Their needs... Or an edge rusher, a cornerback, and a wide receiver. Personally, I would throw quarterback into that mix, but you know, let's give Devin Desmond Ritter his his opportunity to, to make something happen here. Uh, the first round mocks: Daniel Jeremiah and Lance Zerline both have uh, the Falcons going with Christian Gonzalez, uh, the cornerback from Oregon. Bucky has them taking an edge rusher, Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, and I looked at the the Falcons as a whole and. You know, everybody who listens to the show knows how we feel about Kyle Pitts and or Drake London. Um, you know, they, they were able to put together a decent running game simply because that was what they loved to do and tried to do. And I mentioned <laughs> the quarterback. It was like, yeah, whatever. But as you look at the Falcons right now, I mean, how do you feel about this offense for fantasy is currently constructed? I probably like it more than I should. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like, because it's all relative to cost. Like, I thought that um, Tyler Algier would be going much earlier than he is. He's in, in early ADP. I believe he's not even a top 24 running back. Mm. So if you're getting him as an RB3, I, I love that. Or maybe you're waiting and grabbing him as an RB2. Drake London is going, I think, like at an appropriate price. He's not a top 20 receiver. But after that, I think he has the upside where you want to take him there. Kyle Pitts is going as, like, I believe the fifth or sixth tight end off the board, which I'm like... Yeah, you're paying more than the floor is, but you're not paying as high as the ceiling is. And then Desmond Ritter is like the 30th quarterback off the board, I think, in underdog ADP right now or, or something like that. So at cost, I think they're all fine. Um, as a whole offense, I still don't like that Arthur Smith is running the show here <laughs> because uh, I'm very scared that he's going to make it look a lot like what it looked like last year, which was just running the ball playing really playing ugly football and trying to squeak out wins but um i i do think there's a lot of talent here this is a team that we've both have said plenty of times like they should be knocking on the door kicking the door down if they have a chance at lamar <laughs> because i think there's a lot of skill on this offense a lot of talent i think there is a lot of talent i mean tyler algier showed last year that, that he can be a productive running back you know we, we have talked ad nauseum i'm sure people are sick of us talking about how much we still love kyle pitts and uh, Drake London. I mean, uh, you know, I know Dwayne McFarlane, who does a lot of great analytics work, sort of was, was breaking some of these guys down into tiers, the second year wide receivers. And, uh, you know, he said that he, in his research, really has Drake London just slightly behind guys like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. And, you know, 
there's no doubt that people love those two guys. And for London to be kind of knocking on the door with them says a lot about what his potential is. He just needs to be in an offense that's going to actually feature him and utilize his skills. Uh, so hopefully that happens. I mean, I, I like what they have to offer. And I do think it's just an issue of will they have a head coach or a play caller that is able to maximize what their abilities are. Otherwise, it's going to be another year of us being frustrated and another year of the general public looking at us and being like, why are you guys harping on this Kyle Pitts dude? <laughs> I don't understand it. Um, but I, I, I'm, sort of like, I'm sort of with you. I like the pieces. I think the, the pieces individually, though, right now are greater than the sum of their parts just because they haven't figured out how to use these guys this year or last year, I should say. And just on the Kyle Pitts thing real quick, mm -hmm. like 60% of his targets last year were deemed uncatchable. I, I've said it on the show before, but, like, he could have been Jerry Rice, and 60% of his targets would have been uncatchable. Like, he when he got hurt, he had 14 targets at 20-plus air yards. No other tight end had double digits. He had one catch on those because Marcus Mariota was the worst, outside of Zach Wilson, the worst quarterback. Like, I don't even think he should be a backup quarterback. He played that poorly last year. So, I, I don't think Desmond Ritter could be any worse. I, I hope not. Um, I guess the other thing to contend with is that Jonu Smith is now there, too. And yeah. I, I'm curious how the two of them are going to be able to coexist. Um, you know, this is the time of year where rumors run wild on social media. And I, and I don't know if it was on mock or just chatter, but somebody mentioned the idea of Bijan Robinson going to Atlanta. And that would be great for Bijan because he would probably get 300 carries. It would be bad news for the pass catchers because Arthur Smith would never throw the football. No, yeah, he, he <laughs> would not at all. And the thing that you said about Drake London, like, being that close, like, I had him last year as my number one wide. Like, yeah, I'll gladly admit Garrett Wilson outperformed him. Chris Olave outperformed him. But I still think Drake London is could be very, very good. He was going to be my – he was my top rookie wide receiver going into last year. Um, and just circumstances sort of didn't work out. But – uh, I still believe him. That's that's fine. Um, the Carolina Panthers, next up. I mean, we know they've got six total picks. We know they have the number one overall pick, which came uh, via the Chicago Bears in a trade. They need a quarterback, no surprise. They need an edge rusher and a wide receiver. Uh, all three guys, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, Lance Zerline, have them taking a quarterback for DJ and Lance. It's Bryce Young. For Bucky, it is C.J. Stroud. Simple question. With what the Panthers have, if they draft a quarterback, when they draft a quarterback, is that player draftable in 2023 redraft leagues? As a backup, and like a lower-end backup, I would say. Like, um, I, not, not cracking the top 12. I, I wouldn't even say top 15. But after that, I, I think there's upside in the unknown, especially – because while neither one of them, Young or Stroud, ran a whole bunch in college, they have the capability of doing so. Uh, we, we've seen each of them do it when they have to. Um, so I, I think as a backup, because again, just the unknown upside, but I would also like to see them add, I, I think they did a good job of like adding reliable pieces around them, but they don't have like a true difference-making weapon, I would say. That's sort of the thing, right? They don't have that big, big-time playmaking weapon. I think, um, I think you're going to see him, whoever this is, whether it's Young or Stroud or, you know, if there's a wild card, Anthony Richardson, that player is going to get a lot of love in Dynasty rookie mocks. Uh, I don't think they're going to get as much love when it comes to redraft leagues because, as you mentioned, this is an offense that 
they've kind of put together a collection of pieces, right? It's 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 not quite the end of the month fridge where you're trying to make a meal out of whatever you have left. <laughs> it's a little bit better than that, but not by a lot, right? I mean, you're looking at, uh, you know, right now your top wide receiver after you know you 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 do go and you know, if, you, if you add Adam Thielen right now, um, you add DJ Chark. Uh, I mean, they're not bad pieces, but they're not you know, eye-popping, eye-catching pieces, right? Your tight ends, you're looking at with the Aiden Hayden Hurst in free agency. You go out and you you pick up a Miles Sanders in free agency. So it's, they're average, maybe slightly above average, but not enough, I think, to elevate a quarterback, a rookie quarterback making his debut. Who do you think will go number one, Young, Stroud, or, or someone else? I think it's going to be Stroud. I know that the, I know the, the, consensus has sort of shifted toward Bryce Young a little bit, but I don't know. I have, I seriously, I think Bryce Young should be the number one pick. Mm -hmm. I think CJ Stroud will be the number one pick. I agree with you. And I, I think a lot of the whole, the net, I don't know why teams at number one feel like they need to put out smoke screens. No one can control what you do. Right. Like you're the ones that are in the driver's seat, but teams still always like to throw out these smoke screens and make it seem like, Oh, we still haven't decided. No, you guys have known for a while. I feel like who like I don't think you make that move for number one if you have no idea who you're gonna take. And right after they made that move, the way that they their brass was with CJ Stroud was I was like, yeah, he's the guy. But maybe I'm wrong. I, I think I mean I think some of the reason you see that is just in case somebody wants to throw out a crazy offer, right? If there's if there's a team that absolutely wants a guy, right? Like maybe there's somebody that absolutely positively needs to have Bryce Young, um, then, you know, maybe you, you just throw that out there and see if somebody, you know, you're like, hey, we, we wanted C.J. Stroud anyway the whole time, you know, something like that. Like so. if you could get the Texans maybe to give you a little something to hop you right. and then you still get your guy, but. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's the reason for sort of doing that, but I don't, other than that, There's right. no way they're moving past three, I would say. I, I can't imagine so, right? You need a quarterback. Yeah. You've got to leave yourself in position to still get one of the top quarterbacks out there, 100%. So, um, yeah, I think I think the Panthers are sort of building something potentially. The quarterback's going to be the foundation of it, but I think you're going to see them sort of make a lot of moves in the next few years because they got to get younger and they got to get they got to get more talent. I think they get higher level talent uh, than they currently have in a lot of their skill positions. There, uh, the New Orleans Saints, eight total picks, one in the first round. They have number 29, which came from San Francisco, which came from Miami, which I believe came from Denver. Uh, this pick has sort of been passed around uh, quite a bit in the last <laughs> the last few months or so. Uh, they need defensive linemen. They need a tight end. They need an offensive lineman. Uh, in the first round, both DJ and Bucky have the Saints taking Michael Mayer, the tight end, out of Notre Dame. Lance has them taking Kalijah Cansey, the defensive tackle from Pitt. I don't even know what to say about the Saints, really, other than, like, it's like they've put together this group. We love Chris Olave. Derek Carr kind of is who he is. I mean, I don't know. Does, does adding a tight end potentially do anything for you? I feel like this is an offense that just, like, it just kind of is. I don't think it does because, like, you, you see all the time, oh, they need a tight end. So, like, I was like, yeah, Michael Mayer makes a ton of sense. But then you look at their their depth chart, and Jawan Johnson they just paid. And I think Jawan Johnson's a better tight end than he gets credit for. Mm -hmm. Like, he was a really good red zone piece for them. He really showed out as the year went on. Adam Troutman is like your number two blocking tight end. And then Taysom Hill is your wild card at that position. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know if they need a tight end. I, look, I'll say it like this. With a deep tight end class, 
I don't think their need for a tight end is worth using their first round pick on it. I think they would be better suited to go defense, which is also why I've circled the Saints as the team that if any team wants to trade back into round one to take mm. Hendon Hooker, I think the Saints are the team that will trade their pick. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I just – I don't know. I look at this this offense, and it's it just is, right? There's nothing about it that there, blows me there's away. There's no huge hole or need, but there's no like – Right, but uh, you know, aside from Chris Olave, there's nothing that's like, yeah, man, I gotta, yeah. I gotta make sure I, I draft this guy. I mean, we're still waiting to see what happens with Alvin Kamara. We're all expecting he's going to serve uh, a suspension of some length. You know, they add Jamal Williams, which is sort of nice. Uh, yeah, we have no idea how much Michael Thomas has left in the tank after missing uh, an extended period of time. It just, it's just kind of there as an offense. There's nothing that's going to get a lot of folks really excited. Like, I'm like, oh, I'll take Michael Thomas, but it's all relative to where he his where ADP he is. is. Yeah. Not, it's not like I'm like pounding the table for Michael Thomas. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's that's sort of it. So, you know, I don't know. I, I literally, as I'm I'm putting down questions for all these teams, like. The Saints were the one I left blank because I looked at it, I looked at it for a long time and I'm like I don't even know what to say about the New Orleans Saints at this point. Yeah, they're they're one of those teams where like I'm like yeah they're probably gonna win their division and then get bounced in the first round <laughs> right. and like I I could see that being their ceiling for as long as they keep this brass together. I mean I'm looking at this. I mean right now I guess the Saints probably are the favorite to win the NFC South, but. That says more about the division. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, if, if the Falcons somehow put together a run, it wouldn't surprise me. If the Bucks somehow squeaked it out, although their quarterback if, situation If Tom miss. Brady was like, hey, you know what? I want to come back and play for the Bucks. I'm picking them to win the division. Yeah, right? I mean, exactly. Just There's nothing about this division that's going to be exciting, I think, this year. But uh, that leads us to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the last team on our list for the day. Nine total picks, one in the first round, number 19 overall. They need an offensive lineman, a safety, and a defensive lineman. In the first round, though, Daniel Jeremiah has been taking Will Levis, the quarterback out of Kentucky. Uh, Bucky has been taking Darnell Wright, offensive tackle from Tennessee. And Lance has been taking Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia. So we just sat here and talked about how uninspiring this division is as a whole, and the Bucks very much a part of that. Uh, what is your excitement level for drafting any Bucks players this year? Keeping in mind that at least as we talk, uh, Kyle Trask is going to be their starting quarterback this year. I was gonna say we uh, we ran out of team need space, I think, because quarterback should be on that list, running back <laughs> should be on that list, like. Hey, Rashad White says he's a stud. and uh... I, I think Rashad White is a capable running back. I think he gets overhyped by the fantasy community. Um, but I also think that like, like whether it's Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield, I have zero excitement to draft any of these players. Like uh, Leonard Fournette Lash, or Rashad White, whichever one you liked better in fantasy, they were as good as they were in fantasy because of all the dump-offs they got from Tom Brady. I don't know if we're going to get that again. At least Tom Brady was able to, to keep Chris Godwin and Mike Evans useful for fantasy. Kyle Trask is a complete unknown, and Baker Mayfield has struggled with receivers um, his whole to, to uh, elevate receivers his whole career. So 
Yeah, I'm not very excited at all. I, I The only one, I guess, right now that I would say, like, Chris Godwin, but he still goes in, like, the fourth round, so you're paying a pretty hefty price to get him. So I likely am going to have very little shares of Bucks this I mean, season. There's also still that thought that, you know, maybe Godwin's not there at the start of the year. I mean, that had been sort of some, some talk that either Godwin or Evans could be traded. Uh, you know, so that also sort of makes it, I don't know, just kind of dicey at this point. So, you know, I'm not fired up about the Bucks. I am not necessarily big on Rashad White, at least not compared to a lot of other people. Same. Um, he's, like, you look at his metrics, he's very, like, again, I think he's a serviceable running back who gets way too overhyped because people liked him coming out. You know, I, I threw out the question on this show uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe a little longer than that, is like, is this the year that Mike Evans' streak of a thousand yards ends? Um, I think so. You know, he got eleven hundred last year. There were a couple years where he just barely got over a thousand yards. Um, yeah, I mean, it just there's just not a lot to be excited about. Leonard Fournette's, you know, out. Uh, I don't know. I just can't get excited about this Buccaneers offense this year. Yeah, I mean. There, I said the Titans might be the worst offense. The Bucks, I, I don't think they'll be the worst, but they'll be a bottom ten They're offense. Bad. Like, I, I mean, even when Baker had his little resurgence in LA, it was not good at all for fantasy purposes. Like, and again, like Baker made other wide receivers not like Odell was terrible with Baker. <laughs> Jarvis Landry was solid, which I think is like the hope for Chris Godwin. I think we're gonna really very quickly see the impact of even losing what Tom Brady was last season, which was far from what he was a couple of years ago. It's going to have a big lasting effect, I think. So you say that the, the Bucks could be a bottom 10 offense uh, this year. They were a bottom 10 offense last year. They okay, were the, maybe bottom five. They were, the, they were the 25th ranked offense uh, in terms of scoring last year. And yeah, it, it very well could get worse uh, coming up this year. It, it is not going to be good at all. Um, that's kind of a downer way to end the show. <laughs> it, it's the NFC South. It's I the mean... NFC South. So we've gone through three divisions. That means next week we will uh, wrap it up with the AFC West and the NFC West. I think there's a little bit more to get excited about and talk about. Those teams uh, were a little bit more competitive last year. At least some of them were. So uh, we'll talk about that next week before we head into the draft. Also hoping to get some more draft analysts on. We are efforting. Uh, Lance Zerline uh, to get his thoughts. Uh, always love talking to Lance as well to get his thoughts on some of the prospects uh, heading into the draft as well. But in the meantime, that uh, feels like a good place for us to put this one down for the moment. We always appreciate you hanging out with us. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. And we'll uh, talk to you again next week. <laughs>you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want 
you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.